This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. For those of you that are here, I believe that God has a moment today where He really wants to speak to you, where He wants to speak to your heart. You know, I, I, I appreciate the offering today. Mike, you were so on point. The, the message is so accurate to what's in my spirit, to what I think God is saying. And, you know, we're no longer just, you know, church is no longer church anymore. This is really where we come to hear the word of the Lord. It's not, it's not who can get up here and entertain you. It's can we deliver what God is saying. And if you follow the flow of what's going on, I hope you can sense that there's something in the worship. We've been, you know, there's no longer, and I'm not saying we ever did this, but more than ever, it's become a place where we say, God, we want to meet together with you. More than ever, it's not about, hey, let's take up an offering or let's receive. No, 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 no. Let's hear what God's saying that we should be doing in this season with our finances, with our gifts, our talents, our treasures, all the things that God's given us. We are stewards of everything and owners of nothing. And so it is with me even. I, I, I've, I've wrestled all week long with the message I'm going to bring you. Knowing that God has been pouring this into my spirit for you. And I'm so excited because I think that God can speak to you. Some of you are going to have something broken off your life today. God gave me permission to do something that I haven't done in a long time. And I'm going to do that at the end of the service. And I'm so looking forward to the close of the service. I'm going to be ministering in a personal way to as many as need ministry today. Because I I, I believe that this is a new day, a new season that, that we're entering into. And I want you to really get your spirits in tune right now. So, Father, I pray for each and every person, whether online or here in this service. But, Father, we're asking now for a manifestation of your Holy Spirit. Father, you said that you would accompany the word of God preached with signs and wonders following. Father, we are acknowledging and upholding your word before you today, asking you to do exactly what you said you would do. Accompany your word, the word preached. Father, I'm asking that you would grant revelation to the hearts and the minds of every person in this auditorium and those listening online. Father, I'm asking, Lord, that you would cause us to move from Logos to Rhema, from a word that is uh, stale and may only be literal to a word that is living and alive and powerful in our inner man. Father, we thank you for all that you're accomplishing in our lives. And Father, we are not moved by what we see. We're not moved by the circumstances we find ourselves in. We have chosen to put our trust and our faith in the higher one, the one who is above all. Your name, your word is above every other name. Your word is greater than your name, Lord. We thank you that we can rest ourselves on the word of God. Now, Father, illuminate our hearts and our minds, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Greet somebody. God bless you. Take your seats and open your Bibles, okay? Hallelujah. Thank you, man. Thank you, band. Thank you, choir. Weren't they amazing this morning? Man, I, I got inspired. 
just listening to them. And I, I nearly jumped up here and prophesied on the life of Mike uh, Madoda because he was so in the spirit, saying what he needed to say. I need a little bit more light on the stage here so I can actually see the print on my Bible. So if you could just raise that just a tad, I'd appreciate it. Hallelujah. And uh, so I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to the book of Exodus, the fourth chapter. Exodus, the fourth chapter. Now, one of the things that I'm uh, wanting to impart to you today is how important it is that we not only hear the Word of God, but that we respond to it. Uh, I, I find there are many, many Christians. I had, I, had, I had a conversation with one of my businessmen the other day, and we're talking about what makes him successful over other businessmen that are not so successful. And he says that what happened to him was that God would stretch him to do things that he was very uncomfortable with in obedience to a word that either I would give him or from the word of God, you know, all, which, which should, by the way, which should be the same thing. But sometimes you need men around you to give you good counsel, to give you godly counsel. And he says every time he would do that, it would scare the heck out of him, but then he'd go to the next level. And so I uh, meditated on that a little bit, but all week long God's been talking to me, and he gave me uh, a title of this message. I'm going to give it to you now. It's called Trembling at the Word of the Lord. Everybody say Trembling. No, no, say it like you're trembling. Say trembling at the word of the Lord. So in Exodus chapter 4, we, we read the story of Moses. And the Bible says, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me or hearken to my voice. For they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. And the Lord said unto him, What is in your hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said to Moses, put forth your hand and take it up by the tail. And he put forth his hand and he caught it and it became a rod in his hand. Well, I want, I want you to understand something this morning that... Uh, this is what happens to any person. This is what happens to you and I whenever we encounter the Word of God. You see, when God is speaking to us and His Word comes alive in our spirit, the first thing that happens, if it really is a Word from God, is that our flesh trembles at the Word of the Lord that came to us. This is what happened to Moses when he suddenly realized the power that was his in his rod. He ran from it. He ran from it. At first, Moses was overtaken by the word of the Lord, overawed. I mean, when God speaks to you, it's amazing. When the rod became a serpent, the Bible says he trembled. He trembled and it struck fear in his heart. Some of my greatest fears have been when I had a word of the Lord revealed to my heart. There's nothing more frightening 
And when God starts telling you something and God starts speaking to you, and the first thing you do is you sound like Moses. You say, I can't do that. I'm, I, 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 that's too big for me. No, I, 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 it's impossible for me. It, and, and you argue with God. I don't know about you, but you tremble. You tremble at what God's saying to you. The first time God told me to go to a farming district, oh, clear back 44 years ago, 45 years ago, in an area that was known for ambushes and landmines. And I mean, I'm, I'm, what, what does an American know about traveling in a foreign country in, in, in an area he knows nothing about? He doesn't even know the right roads to go on. And I was afraid. I said, God, I can't do that. I'm afraid. I'm, 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 I'm afraid at the word. Of God. I wasn't afraid of the bullets. I was afraid that, God, is this really you? Why would you do this? And I'll never forget when faith came into my heart. I'll never forget when faith came into my heart to come to Rhodesia. It didn't make sense. There was no, it, it was a fearful thing. Why, why, I had a great job. I had, I had everything money could buy. I had everything I wanted. Why would I come here to a country I don't even know about other than God had been dealing with me for seven years? Hey, I remember when God showed me this piece of land that I, I was afraid to even tell people. That's our land. No, and, and, we drive, and I drive by. I go to the city of Ferrari. They say, that, that, that land will never be used for anything. It's a wetland or, some, or, or it's, a, it's a reserve. Or I, they had some reason why they could never use this land. I said, but God showed it to me. Then the next thing, uh, uh, there, there's a, a zoning for an old folks home, a, 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 a retirement village. And I go back and I said, no, 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 no. You can't do that and tell me I can't have land. And Eventually, we fought, and we fought for seven years. Seven years. But I, I, it was a fearful thing. And then one day, I walk in, and they give us the land. I mean, can I tell you something? Sometimes you, it, it's a fearful thing to stand up for God, to stand up and do what God told you to do. You know, how, how, how frightening is it to, to speak to someone when God puts them in your heart? He gives you a word for them. And how, how frightening is it to say what God's telling you to say? The first thing we do is run away from the word of God. The fear that strikes you when you realize what God is asking or commanding you to do can be overwhelming sometimes. But notice the second thing he did. He took a hold of the snake. See, it's one thing to pick up a rod. It's another thing to pick up a snake. How many of you are ready to pick up a snake? Yeah, gnocca. Hey, yeah. <laughs> and by faith, by faith, he came to faith and he gripped it by the tail. And it turned into a rod again in his hand. You see, the first reaction in the heart and the life of a believer when we really hear the word of the Lord is we tremble. You know, it's not easy to hear the word of the Lord for our lives. But it's even harder sometimes to come to faith. <clears throat> to take a hold of the word of God. Take a hold of what he's speaking to us. And be willing to do it. We have to take firm grasp of the word of God. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah, the 66th verse. Isaiah 66. I, I wish you would underline all these verses today in your Bible because you're going to need these words. Isaiah 66, verses 1 and 2. 
It says, thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath my hand made and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to the man, but to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my words. The Amplified says it this way, but to, to this one I will look graciously, to him who is humble and contrite in spirit and who reverently trembles at my word and honors my commands. Who is it that God looks respectfully to? Who is it that God's looking out for? Who is it that God is eyeballing? Like that Shunammite woman that Mike spoke of today. She perceived something. She obeyed what was in her heart. She had a word from God. She did what God told her to do at great expense to herself. <laughs> but God, through the man of God, said, what can I do for you? Hmm, who's God's got his eye on? Who is it that God respects? Who is it that God looks at? He who is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembles at the word of the Lord. Today, I think there's far too little fear of the Lord. Far too little fear and trembling at the word of the Lord. There's far too little reverence for God. John chapter 12, Jesus speaking, he says, and if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, I'm not gonna judge him, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejects or rejects me and receives not my words, he has one that judges him already. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Boy, imagine on the day of judgment when one day we all get to stand before Jesus, before God, and we give an account of our lives. Well, I tremble sometimes at what I've done in my life and some of the things that I have allowed. What's going to judge us? Some of you think, oh, God's going to sit there and he's going to judge you. No. Our deeds are going to be judged. They're going to be, we're going to be judged for what we did or didn't do. But listen to what the Bible says. You see right here that throughout and throughout the scriptures that we are going to be judged by that which never changes. The word of God. God is speaking words to his people. God has spoken words to you. God has revealed word to you. That revealed word you will be held accountable for. A little bit further in John chapter 14, he says this, Jesus said, and Jesus answered and said to him, if a man loves me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. I read this scripture, almost too, too much to believe. He says, if a man loves me, he'll keep my words. And we, my father and I, the father and the son, will come and make their abode with you, with us. 
with the believer. How does he do that? Through his word. By us keeping his words, the words of Jesus, he says, hey, when you do that, my dad and I come. And we make our abode with you. We come. We come. First of all, they come and they make their abode with you. We have to learn to reverence the word of God. But there's another side to this when we do. Look at Psalm 149. This is amazing. Psalm 149, I'm going to read verses 5 through 9. It says, let the saints. Now that word saints is an amazing word. The word saints is the word Hasidim. Hasidim. You know, there's Sephardic and Hasidic Jews. Okay, the Hasidim believe the word of God. They believe every word of the word of God. The Hasidic Jews are those who tremble at the word of the Lord. It says, let the saints, the Hasidim, be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written, this honor have all the saints. Praise ye the Lord. This is an amazing series of statements. This is an amazing series of, 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 of declarations if you can identify yourself with those that are called saints. By the way, I think we should all do that. We are the saints of the Lord. Amen? Unless there's a few ain'ts here today. And if you aren't a saint and you're an ain't, you have a chance at the end of the service to become a saint. Hallelujah. Or right now in your seat, you can just cry out to God and he'll save you. Hallelujah. See, this psalm declares that we must have a two-edged sword in our hands. And the high praises of God in our mouths. And with it, listen to what it says, we can execute vengeance on the nations and punishment upon the peoples. I don't know, can you see yourself in that picture? Do you see yourself in that picture? Do you realize this is something that God has in mind for you as a saint? He goes on to say, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. And what this simply means is that in, in part, not, not completely, you, you don't have total authority, but in part and corporately we have authority to bind the satanic powers that rule over kings and peoples and nations. But I want to emphasize in part. See, Jesus had it in full measure. We have it in part measure. That's why the church is so important. That's why your prayers are so important. That's why our agreement is so powerful. To execute judgment or to execute on the nations, the judgment, listen to what it says, the judgment written. We execute on the nations the judgment written. This honor and privilege have all of his saints. Now, I don't know about you, but if this doesn't make you tremble, Nothing will. I tremble at the thought of this. God has given me and you, his saints, the privilege of executing judgment on nations. You know, if we really believe this, I think that the prayer life 
of many of us would be, begin to be different. If we saw ourselves really in the light of these verses, we might pray differently. We might see ourselves and our prayers as a little bit more important and carrying more weight. Notice what it's saying. To execute the judgment written or the written judgment. Where is the judgment written? Where is this judgment written? Where do we find this written judgment? That's right. Right here. Do you have a Bible? Do you read it? The Word of God is His judgment in written form. Now, let me explain something to you. You and I, we are not the ones to make the judgments. We're not making the judgments. We don't walk around in the seat of judgment. We're not judging. God has made the judgments. God has already made the judgments. We have the privilege of executing the judgments on nations and on their rulers. In other words, we have a unique and a decisive part to play in the history of our nation, in the history of the world, if we'll play that part. <laughs> I'm shocked at how far away many Christians are from this understanding. They don't even understand what God has made available to us as believers, let alone what he expects from us. Now, let me emphasize that it is not you and I, it's not us as believers who make judgments. What we do is we find the judgments written in the word of God and we execute them. Well, how, how do we execute judgments? How do you execute a judgment? Well, we release them by proclaiming them, by declaring them, by speaking them. We are the heralds. We are the heralds. We are the ambassadors. We stand in the marketplaces of this world and we lift our voices and we announce the decrees of a living God. We announce the decrees of the word of God. You know, when, when Moses finally got to Egypt with his rod, what did he do? What did Moses do when he finally got to Egypt with his rod? He stretched it out. Well, I want to suggest to you that it's time for us as believers to begin to do the same. We need to take the word of God and we need to begin to stretch it out in any situation where the authority of God is needed. See, one of the most effective ways of doing this is by proclaiming in faith under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now that was a powerful statement right there. Proclaiming in faith under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You see, we have to remember that the word of God must go with the breath of God. God says, I want a people that will worship me in spirit and in truth. The, the word breath is Numa, we get the word spirit from that. The word, the word, word is logos. When you mix the numa, the breath, and the logos, 
you release a rhema. When the two come, you get a rhema word. That's why sometimes you read your Bible and you just read it and it's like, it's logos, 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 logos. You're just reading. And then all of a sudden as you're praying and reading, it takes your breath away. It's like, oh my God, oh, a rhema word jumps off the page at you. And now God's spoken to you. That is God speaking to you. That rhema word is life-giving. It's the word that causes you to spring forth in life. See, God propels the word of God out of the mouths, out of our mouths. He takes his word out of our mouths as we release it into a situation. And when he does that, it has all the authority of God for that situation. But how many of you get that word and you tremble I can't, I can't. And and so you don't speak. Well, it is of no use. That's why we must pick up the rod. We must pick up the serpent. We must hold it forth. It's time for us to begin to speak into situations. Speak into the marketplace. Speak to those in power. Speak under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And this isn't for a prophet. This is for his saints. Every one of his saints has this honor. Thank you for that one hand clap. I I appreciate that. Just tap your neighbor and say, I think his preaching is better than your amening this morning. See, God didn't take the rod out of Moses' hand and say, okay, step aside. I'm going to take care of it. Thank you for bringing the rod to Egypt, but I'll take over from here. And see, many Christians, that's kind of how they think. They got this idea that, you know, hey, you know, God, uh, God's going to do it. God's going to do it. God's going to build my company if it be his will. God's going to bless my handiwork if it be his will. You're never going to see anything from God. Your, best, your business isn't going to be blessed. Because if you don't know the will of God, you won't, and if you're just waiting for him to do it, God doesn't build businesses. You build businesses. God doesn't build marriages. You build marriages. God doesn't, God doesn't just show up and take your rod from you and say, okay, step aside. I'm going to do what you ask. No, 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 no. You must Hold forth the rod. You must walk through the Red Sea. You must fight your enemies. You must do the warfare. You must do the battles based on the word of God and based on what God gave you to do. Hallelujah. Now, in the Bible, this rod is called the rod of God. Did you notice that? It is the rod of God in the book of Exodus. And it was God's rod, but Moses held it. And it was Moses who stretched it out. In fact, sometimes it wasn't Moses. Sometimes Aaron stretched it out. Did you notice that? The rod of God was stretched out by Aaron sometimes. It didn't matter if it was Moses or Aaron. It was the rod of God that did the job. The rod in our hand today is the word of God. And it doesn't matter who has the rod in his hand. It is a sharp, two-edged sword, and it will accomplish the purpose of God. In fact, I want to say this. The word of God in your mouth under the anointing of the Holy Spirit is as powerful as God's word coming out of his own mouth. 
So let me just take a few more, more, a few more moments this morning. And let me help you to personalize this. Because some people just don't get it. They don't understand how this works. And we can think about it on a national scale. But let me tell you something. Before you do national things, let's get it right in our own lives. Before you're ever going to be effective in the marketplace, you must first understand that God, God wants you to move beyond the area of need. You know, it's really tiring to be with believers who are always thinking about their own needs. We need to move from beyond our own needs to the area of aggression. You know, if you're filled with foreboding about your life, if you have dark, negative thoughts, if you're continually thinking about things that might happen to you, or what might happen to you if you were to die, what, happened, what would happen if I died? Or if you're, if you're thinking like that, you'll never be able to rise up and be victorious. There's a lot of people with this kind of attitude. There are probably many listening today online and probably some here today. Uh, many people angst over what might happen if they get sick or they don't know what to do if there's a negative report that comes from the doctor or from any quarter for that matter. Like my wife, Bonnie. Bonnie and I, you know, if, if we had just rolled over and listened to everything that the doctors had said, hey, she would have been operated on multiple times. She's had a couple of surgeries that came to a point where, and I thank God for doctors. But some of the, you know, let me explain something to you. A surgeon only thinks about one thing. Surgery. A neurosurgeon only thinks about one thing. Neurosurgery. So what are they going to advise you when they talk to you? Surgery. Oh, okay. I, listen, I hear that. But you know, maybe you don't need surgery. Maybe that's just what they, that's all they know. You know, if all you have in your toolbox is a hammer, everything starts looking like a nail. Whether you're a doctor, and I, with all due respect... Okay, but our, our doctors are programmed. They went to medical school in a big pharma medical society where big pharma controls all the medical schools. And guess what? They can't make decisions anymore. They can only follow through on protocols that have been mandated for them. And so if they go outside of that, if they think, if they think critically, they get in trouble because somebody's going to blow the whistle on them. And so they have to give you whatever that protocol is, which is usually drugs or Surgery or whatever that is. Now, thank God for good surgeons and thank God for good clinicians. Thank God for the good doctors. We've got a bunch of them in the church. God bless you. But hey, it's time for you to wake up. Understand where you came from. Understand who controls your industry. And it is no longer a practice. It's an industry. You see, if we had obeyed the doctors every time they told us to hop, skip, and jump... My wife would have been operated on multiple times. We would have been, she would have been sent to the cancer clinic for chemo and a host of other things. If every time the doctor told us that there was nothing more they could do for us and we allowed ourselves to let that be the last word, we would have lost our son Jonathan twice. Twice doctors told us, take him home. There's nothing more we can do for him. Twice God showed up and healed him. Twice God delivered him out of the hands of death. In fact, we would have given up on a number of so-called impossible cases when our children 
or our own lives were threatened or when we were suffering. If we were to take the diagnosis of professionals or even some pastors surrounding some of the unexplainable spiritual and mental and medical attacks that we have faced, I promise you I would have given up a long time ago. See, I know you think that pastors never have challenges. I know you think that my wife and I have never had a challenge in our marriage, or we've never had a challenge in our health, or we've never had a challenge with our children. No, that's not true. But I'll tell you what we have done. We've looked to the Word of God, and we got a word from God. In fact, in fact, there were times, I wish Dr. Uh, Chikumba were here, but there were times when we could only hang on to the Scripture. In fact, we must have quoted Psalm 118, verses 17 and 18, a thousand times against the onslaught of the enemy. What does it say? I shall not die, but live, and I'll declare the works of the Lord. Say that with me. I will not die, but live, and will proclaim what the Lord has done. Say it again. I will not die. Let's say it like we mean it. I will not die, but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. For many, especially for those who are bold in the kingdom and for those who preach the gospel, those of you who do step up in the marketplace and put out the rod, you must understand that there, <coughs> excuse me, there are people, there are people who are arrayed against us. Actually, some who criticize us, curse us, and pray against us. There are people that practice witchcraft against men of God. They practice witchcraft against any of you that stand up for truth. They intimidate you. They try to dominate you. They try to control you, either through their actions and their words or through their prayers and their curses that they do in secret. But what do you do? What are we supposed to do? Our remedy is to rise up and declare the word of God. Isaiah 54, 17 says this, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise up against thee in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, says the Lord. Man, I'm gonna tell you something. There comes a time when you better know how to stand up and you better be able to come against the enemy. No weapon. In fact, say this with me. Here's, here's the way to say it out loud. And personalize it. Say, no weapon that is formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against us in judgment, we do condemn. This is our heritage as servants of the Lord. Our righteousness is from you, O Lord of hosts. Do you know who the Lord of hosts is? He's the Lord of the angels. He's the Lord of the angels. Well, I tell you what, when you invoke the Lord of angels, angelic activity starts working on your behalf. How many of you know that only one-third of the angels fell? Two-thirds are still with us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Greater is he who is with us than he who is in the world. You see, the Bible tells us that we can condemn the tongues of those that accuse us. 
Because they are accusing God's righteousness. It's always a losing battle for the enemies of God. Now, let me qualify this, because I, I, I must also let you know there's a second part of the prayer to say. The first part is that we can condemn these words. We have the power to bind them. We have the power to, to, to bring them into judgment. But the second part is this. We have to pray this. If there are those who are speaking evil against us, who are seeking harm or evil against us or cursing us, God tells us we must forgive them. And having forgiven them, we must bless them in the name of the Lord. We replace the negative with the positive. The Bible says, if someone curses you, don't curse them back. Bless them. If they hate you, love them. Matthew 5, says, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Judge their words, bring it into judgment, align it with the word of God, but then pray for them. Bless them, do good to them. Romans 12, Paul says this in verses 17 to 21. He says, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lies within you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy hungers, feed him. If he thirsts, give him to drink. For in so doing, you heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Well, I'll tell you what, I tremble at that word. I don't know about you, it makes me tremble. Bless those that curse you, pray for those who despitefully you. How do we do this, God? It, it scares the heck out of me. I'm going to take that serpent by the tail. It's going to turn into a rod. I'm going to hold forth that rod in every situation in Jesus' name. See, the only power strong enough to overcome evil is good. We have to learn to meet the negative and then overcome it with the positive. But it must be according to this word. Not our word, not our feelings, not our, this word, the word of God. Well, what happens when the ministry or some of you have ministry that you don't even know about. You're, you're ministering and you just didn't realize that you're being ministered and you're being assailed in your ministry. What happens when your ministry is assailed? God gave Barney and I this verse a long time ago. Deuteronomy 33 verses 25 through 27. It says, the bolts of your gates will be iron and bronze and your strength will be equal to your days. Your strength will will equal your days. There is no one like the God of Jeshurun who rides across the heavens to help you and on the clouds of his majesty. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. He will drive your enemies from before you saying, destroy them, destroy them. Oh man, declare this with me. Say it out loud. The bolts of our gates will be iron and bronze. And our strength will be equal to our days. There is no one like the God of Jeshurun who rides across the heavens to help us and on the clouds of his majesty. The eternal God is our refuge. 
and underneath are his everlasting arms. He will drive out our enemies before us, saying, destroy them. Wow, come on, give the Lord a hand. Let me tell you something. Some of you don't understand this, but you have to be ruthless with Satan. You've got to be ruthless with him. He must be destroyed from your life. Now, God will drive him out, but you must destroy him. You must put your foot on your enemy's neck. Jesus told us, I give you all authority. I give you all power to tread upon serpents. This is what he said, Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing by shall any means hurt you. Romans 10, 16, 20 says, and the God of peace will soon crush Satan under whose feet? Underneath your feet, under your feet, under your feet. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Not, not God's feet, not God's feet. Not God, not, God's not doing that. He says, you take the enemy on. You stand. My rod, my word, my power is effective in you for you to take on that enemy. But you must speak. You must take it on. You must hit it head on. And, and it'll scare you. You'll tremble at the word of what God tells you to say. You'll tremble. But boy, I'll tell you what, when you speak it and it turns around, when you stand and having done all to stand, you begin to see it happen. Something amazing begins to happen. How many of you know that our enemies are not flesh and blood? The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You all know it. Ephesians 6, 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of, this dark, of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. How many of you have ever come up against something where you need physical healing or, or financial blessing? Listen to what 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may be able to abound to every good work. Say it out loud. Say, God, God is, able is able to make all grace abound toward me. That we always, having all sufficiency in all things, may, have, may abound to every good work. God is able. Do you really believe that? Do you believe that God's able? No, no, no. Do you really believe it? Well, give him a good hand if you do. What is he able to do? Well, the word all appears five times in this verse. Five times. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That we always may have all sufficiency in all things. That we may be able to abound in every good work. That's worth meditating on. That's worth thinking about. That's worth praying about. That's worth declaring. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. How does God think about you? How does God, do you think God is going to bring torment and trial? And no, no, God says, I, I have better thoughts than that for you. Sometimes we tremble at what God's word says about us or what God's word is asking us to do. It is the place God wants us to begin. We must be, come to faith. We must begin to rise up. We must declare what God says and do what he's telling us. I want to close right now. Those of you here today and you do not know Jesus, those listening and you don't know Christ, you are lost and you are undone. 
You're lonely, you are broken, and, and you can look anywhere you want to, but you're not gonna find peace outside of Jesus Christ. You're not gonna find strength outside of Jesus Christ. You are like a ship on an ocean that is being tossed by every wave. You don't know what you believe. One day you believe this, the next day you believe that, the next, and there's nothing that can secure you. Jesus is the anchor of our soul. Jesus is the foundation against every storm. Jesus is your answer. And if you're here today and you have not received Jesus, in just a minute we're going to open the altar. I'll have pastors, and I'd like my pastors to come right now quickly. And our pastors will be here to receive you. Pray with them. Tell them, I don't know Christ. If I died today, I'd go to hell. And you would. You'd go to hell. If you do not know Jesus, you will go to hell. And God didn't ever intend hell for human beings. But because of our rebellion, the rebellion of our forefathers, we have to navigate that. And God gave us a way through Jesus Christ that we could be reconciled and have relationship with him. But today, I want to minister to those of you that are bound by fear. Your life is racked by fear. You have no confidence. You have no confidence. And, and, and let me explain something to you. Every single time that you don't do what the Word of God told you to do, that double-mindedness causes you to live in a place of fear. Now you, know, now you have no confidence in anything. So you either become religious and you look like a Christian and you act like, but you, you, but you act differently or you just fall away from the church. Many of you are backslidden today. Many of you have stopped serving God because it's not working. It doesn't work. No, no, it's not that it doesn't work. It's you didn't work. You quoted a Bible verse and you thought God was going to do it. I'm going to tell you, God isn't who's going to bring your victory. You are. And he'll help you with the power of his Holy Spirit. He gave you a word. Go back to where you lost your accent. Go back to where you dropped that word. Do it. And finally today, those of you who are desiring to move beyond trembling, I particularly want to lay hands on you today. Some of you have received a word from God. But you have not been able to step up into your world of influence, your space. You've not been able to speak something has kept you at the trembling stage. But today, the Bible says that we can pray for a spirit of boldness. I'm going to lay hands on anybody who wants a spirit of boldness to say, I will take my place in the fray. I will take my place in the battle. I will take my place and I will speak and I will take up my role as a saint and bring judgment upon the nobles and upon the nations by speaking the word of God into the situation. See, God's word Never returns void. It always accomplishes the purpose for it. Those of you listening, we're going to sign off right now, but there's a phone call, a phone number right on the screen. Please, if you need help, if you want somebody to pray with you, if you want somebody to meet with you, if you, if you need to know where a cell group is, if you need fellowship, if you need to get back to church, call that number right now. Let somebody talk to you. If they can't help you, they can get you to somebody who can. Pick up the phone today. Don't wait. Father, I pray for these online. I pray for all these here today. I'm asking, Lord, that your grace would be mighty. And, Father, as we open this altar, that, Father, many would come and be broken, broken before you. Some would receive you. Others would be delivered from a spirit of fear, a spirit that has gripped their hearts, and they are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And others would step up and say, I today will take my place in the fray. 
I will take my place as a saint and begin to speak the word of God, judgment to the nobles. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.